Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. With it being the fourth Sunday in the Advent season, and also Christmas Eve, I'm really trying hard not to just jump the gun here and just go ahead and say, Merry Christmas. Well, I said that already, but Merry Christmas and talking all about the birth of Christ and what he would do. And I'll say a few of things about that. But first things first today for our text this morning, we look at what needed to come first before the birth of Christ. The fact that the angel Gabriel needed to come and proclaim what would happen to Mary. It would have been very strange if all of a sudden she was pregnant and had no idea what was going on, right? That, that it was very strange in the first place to have the angel come to her, but if he didn't, just imagine how strange that would have been. It's one of those things, though, that we look at this and we say, what are we to glean from this story? What are we to glean from this actual happening? Because I doubt, very much so, that we have had, that any of us have had one of God's, uh, that we've had one of, one of the angels come to us and tell us something so miraculous and so spectacular, such as this, what Mary was told. And I just imagine what it would be like to be in her shoes, to have have Gabriel come and tell you, first of all, greetings, rejoice, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And she hears this and says, in with herself, she says, what does this mean? She's a good Lutheran, let's be honest. She says, what does this mean? What can this possibly be about? This angel is coming and saying, Rejoice, greetings, O highly favored one. What did I do, right? But when he tells her what he has to say, he says something that is just really beyond belief. And we can compare it to what he said to, to what he said to, to Zacharias when he was told that he would have a son, even though he was past his prime, right? He was an old man and his wife was beyond those years of childbearing. And so he's told, you'll bear a son who would be John the Baptist. And he has this doubt, right? He says, how will this be? But there was precedent for this, right? Because because, uh, of Abraham and Sarah, right? That wasn't too much for God then. So he should have known better, right? What Mary is saying here when she says, how will this be that I will have a son when I'm a virgin? That had never happened before. That was a legitimate question to ask, was it not? That was something that was so beyond the pale that it just had to be asked. How is this going to be, right? That is faith, really. Faith that that seeks the understanding, right? And so what we are to glean from this in the most basic sense is that we should be more like Mary, who is faithful and says, behold, she says, 
Um, she says, behold, um, excuse me, behold the servant of the Lord. Let it, be accord- let it be to me according to your word, right? That is what we should all say. Whenever we hear God's word, whenever we hear it proclaimed, we should say, behold, I am the servant of God. Let it be to me according to your word, O Lord. And yet, if you place yourself in Mary's shoes here, how tempting would it be to say when you've been told you're going to be the mother of the Christ, the Messiah, the one who is to come to save all men, how tempting would it be to say, nah, I don't know, that's just a little too much, right? A little too rich for my blood. It would be very tempting for us to say that because honestly, whenever we hear God's word about things that seem less than that, that's actually the response that I would say most of us might have, right? That when God tells us, this is my word, this is my will for your life, that, you know, if you run down the list of the Ten Commandments even, you say, wow, well, that's just a little too much, God, right? It's a little too much, even for that first one, right? To say, you shall have no other gods, that you should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And you go, well, if I did that, that'd be really tough. Yeah, and that's kind of the point, right? The law tells us what we should do. And even so, our sinful flesh says, that's just a little too much. That when God tells us what we are to do, how we are to act, what we are to say, our sinful flesh kicks back. And not because the law is bad, but because the law is good, right? But even more so, when you're convicted by the law, And then you rightly say, oh, Lord, what must I do to be saved? How can I ever be saved? And he says, well, Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a perfect, sinless life for you, died on a cross, shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sins, and yet your sinful flesh, if it's not redeemed, right, says, nah, that sounds way too good to be true. That's too good to be true. And a lot of times, even after we have been saved, if we do receive that and say, amen, let it be to me according to your word that I am saved by the blood of Christ. Now, therefore, we are to live in God's word and to walk in the way that he has set before us, that he has prepared all the good works before us that we should do them. We are tempted to say, well, let it be to me as I want it to be, right? And I look out for myself, right? That our natural inclination is to doubt God's word and to just reject it either in whole or in part. But let's not kid ourselves. If we reject God's word even in part, we've rejected everything, right? If we sin by just one little piece, we sin by everything. That's what it means to be totally... uh, that, that's, that's what it means to be corrupted by sin. And that's what it means to trust in God, that we are called even to trust in Him above all things, in every way. And so we struggle. We struggle against this 
sinful flesh that clings to us, that says, there's just no way that I can do that. And even so, there's just no way that God loves me. Our sinful flesh always wants to say, no, 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 it can't be that way according to what God has said. And yet, look what happens. Look at what happens when you're faithful. Look at what happens when the Word of God comes and the Holy Spirit works and changes your heart to say, Amen. Yes, yes, it shall be so that what you say, O Lord, is true and it is for me. Look at all these wonderful things that happen. That in the midst of trial and temptation, we are comforted and consoled because we know the truth that this world is not everything, that this world is passing, and that what God has in store for us is to last forever. When we hear and trust God's word, it surely brings challenges but blessings. We know from Romans chapter 5 that therefore we have therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God and not only that but we also glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance Character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Now when you trust in God's word, when you say, Amen, behold, I am God's servant, let it be to me according to his word. And what it really says, right? Wonderful things can happen. Wonderful things can happen that if you're in the midst of something that is extremely trial, that is a huge trial and troubling, that no matter what it is, you can say, like St. Paul says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be, to be compared with the glory which shall be, which shall be, which shall be revealed in us. That he says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. That in all these things that may come, in all the things that may transpire, to trust in God above all things, to believe what he says, is a blessing that surpasses anything that this world can offer. And if you think that it was something that was no big deal that Mary said, the Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. You think that's easy. Imagine the slander that she faced. Imagine the trouble that she had, knowing in her conscience that she did nothing wrong, but again, no one had ever known a, no one had, had ever seen, there was never a precedent for a, a for a, a virgin conceiving a child, no doubt she suffered much at the hands of this, but when it was all said and done and the trial was completed, she gave birth to a son. And in that son, 
we have hope. In that Son, we have true life. So if there's anything we can glean from all of this, it is to be more like St. Mary, right? Who was not perfect, who was not without sin and struggling against sin, but she surely is a faithful example of what it means to trust God at his word. And to trust God means that he is with you. When you trust in him, you trust in his promises. And you can trust in his promises because the promises that he makes are the promises that he keeps. Think about that. God never makes promises that he does not keep. He promises to love you, to save you, to pour out his grace upon you. And those aren't vain things. He does these things for you. He does them, and he shows them through his son, Jesus Christ. So, the Lord, so know that the Lord is with you to strengthen you who trust, who trust in him and what he says. For you have been given his favor in Christ. So that, so that no matter what God may say, you can say back to him and confess, Behold, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.